Amen. Thank you, Pete. Thanks for the music. Uh, fantastic. And I really appreciate everybody today. I really appreciated the games yesterday. And you guys are all in. I mean, everybody's here is in it to win it, like I've never seen, your kids included. And so that was an awesome time. And people were like diving around and like, you know, go. you're all in on this. And I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate the all inness on the biblical literacy test. I, the resident theologian, actually flunked 90%. So <laughs> I was like, so, uh, so great to see everybody today, and thank you very much. Uh, we are uh, in the midst, and thanks for those who are trickled in. Great to see you. And catching up a little bit, uh, we're talking about voices and things that we hear, messages, maybe inside or outside of us in context of culture. Last night, we talked about fears and, uh, you know, we kind of talked about in the lab, the wall of defense. And uh, Jesus comes to us and says, our biggest wall of defense is just how do we repeat over and over the sense of we are image bearers. Uh, Jesus and God say to us all the time, do not be afraid. And that is the grandest wall of defense between the noise and the voices of fear and anxiety to the still quiet voice on the other side, the wall of defense, don't be afraid. Trust in God. And, uh, and that has all anxieties and fear could help diminish. And so a uh, little strategy there. Um, I, uh, in life, have uh, interesting collections. Like last night, we looked at wildlife that I collected on pictures. Um, I also have other interesting collections, and that is I have this weird thing about antiquity of hotels. And so old hotels and Renaissance hotels are like a strange and wonderful thing to me, and I'm not sure why. Well, I think started with my honeymoon. We went to this hotel, and they promised this, you know, all this grandeur in this room, and we went there, and I was sorely disappointed. And so I, it was actually up in Canada, and I went to the front desk on my honeymoon and said, um, you know, in the brochure... <laughs> It's sad, and I was, and so this, this guy in the back just says, Mr. Pierce, just stay right there. So he goes back, he comes out, he goes, I think you're going to really like this room. Don't worry about the bags. And so, sweet. So I go up and get Sue, and, and we go up to the 14th floor of this castle, and at the end of the hallway was this door. Sweet, our key works. So we go, and then we look up, and it just goes like this, up this turret. So we go up to the top of this turret, and there's another door. Open it up. The first floor was this giant grand living room, and then it had this spiral staircase that went up to the bedroom, and it had this awesome giant thing, and then it had this giant glass thing, and there was a jacuzzi in this turret overlooking the Canadian Rockies. And I'm like, now that's an upgrade. How about that? <laughs> and so ever since then, I figured out, you know, there's ways that you could do this that are really interesting. So, and I have problems with this, and I still do. And so uh, I travel a lot, and I always try to find these places, and I find wonderful places. So I travel in our region, and there's this wonderful place uh, in Rapid City, uh, South Dakota, called the Alex Johnson. And there, eight presidents have stayed. 
And so we were traveling around, we were doing these things in these small towns all around, and we were staying at Holiday Inns and this. And so we came in to this Alex Johnson and go up to the front desk and said, and I, I always try, try this, so you can try this, but it's really weird. And so it's like, hey, is the presidential suite available? <laughs> and, and so then she looks at my shirt and she goes, wait, are you with Young Life? How'd you know? You know, it's like, who's right here? <laughs> and it, it's like, well, I was in Young Life in Bozeman, Montana. And I'm like, do you know Dan Barnett? That was my leader. You're kidding. So it's like, connect, connect, connect. It's like, this is great. And so back to the question, is the presidential suite available? <laughs> And I said, how much is it? She goes, $979. I'm like, whew. Well, last night we stayed in the Holiday Inn for 100 bucks. Do you think we could get that for this tonight? And she goes, let me go check with the manager. Oh, boy, here we go. And so, and so, and so we go in this, and we, and we, the manager comes out, and they're redecorating some things, and they're putting this giant, awesome club upstairs. It's awesome. And, uh, and he, he gives us the tour of the hotel. You know? And then we go up and, into the you know, presidential suite. It's eight rooms. I mean, the people stayed here, Roosevelt's and everybody. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like this is okay. And she goes, it's yours for 100 bucks. How about that? <laughs> so, and I shouldn't say the hotel, so don't go try this maybe at this hotel, but I got a picture of this place, actually. And it is awesome. I'm not kidding. It's like, oh, it's just a grander old place. And so me and my friend, this area director there, we got this room, and it was like, Brad, how did you do that? This is awesome. So we had eight rooms. Then we go to a restaurant right around the corner just down the street here, and uh, we decide to celebrate. You know, and so we go to this nice restaurant, and, and there's this wonderful things happening in this restaurant, and great food, and, and it was just a live night. People were just wired, you know, and uh, and so we we noticed while we're eating dinner that a group of high school kids uh, are are right just are just come in, and of course we notice high school kids. It's what we do, and and it's and they have a guitar. You know, it's like, wow, what are these kids up to, you know? And, uh, and so we take a look at this, and we can turn that off now. And, uh, and so we take a look at this, and, and they come to this kind of the bar area, and then, then they all, you know, after several minutes of eating and people are just enjoying, these high school kids come up to this table that was a couple down from us, and they surround this table, and they start singing a song of love. Can you feel the love tonight? It is where we are. You know, it's like, what is this? You know, the whole restaurant goes, you know. And this guy at this table, dressed in a suit, gets down on one knee and goes, Will you marry me? And the whole room did exactly what you did. Oh, it's so sweet. I can't, this is awesome. It's like the twins game and engagements, you know. Oh, you know, and, uh, and so all of a sudden, this woman starts trembling and starts going like this. <laughs> 
And she starts shaking her head like this. And she goes, I can't do it, no way! And runs out the restaurant. <laughs> and this woman is sitting there going, I mean, this man is sitting there going, just crumbles. And he goes over and sits down. And the whole restaurant goes, and the, and the, the bartender kind of hostess, she, I, she, I've never seen this, this is amazing. She goes, everybody just go back to what you were doing. <laughs> and everybody just immediately went, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> and my friend, we're all ministers, you know, he goes, Brad, we're ministers of God. Let's go pastoral care on this guy right now. It's <laughs> like, well, let's go pray for him, whatever, we didn't do this. And, uh, and so everybody's just talking, and, it was, and this woman is out, like you can see her through the window, and she's on the car going like this. <laughs> and we're like, what is going on? And then these high school kids, I love you guys' look right now. It's awesome. <laughs> These high school, high school kids circle back and they go up to the bar area. And they start singing a song of love. Can you feel the love tonight? And the restaurant's just like you. What? And this, you know, and they're, they're kind of singing it to the hostess lady, and, and then this other dude comes out a door, just like right here, in a suit. And he comes up to the hostess, and he goes, will you marry me? And the whole restaurant's like, just brains are exploding everywhere. Just like, and, and she starts crying. And she's like, it's her boyfriend. And it's like, yes, yes, I'll bury you. And they come and hug. And so we're all just like exploding, going, what just happened to us just now? We've never seen anything like this. And it, so we find, uh, through investigation, and everybody's like, what the heck? Blah, blah, blah. And so we go to these, these, this couple that was right next to us. We go to this dude. He goes, what is going on? He goes, oh, we're theater actors. <laughs> and that guy put us up to this whole thing and just totally faked everybody out and just went, whoa. And then that was the fake proposal. And the last one was the real proposal. And the whole restaurant, when it finally clicked for everyone, went, oh, my God. And my friend stands up and goes, we got the presidential suite at Alex Johnson. Let's go have a party. And I was like, that didn't happen. But it was. So, I mean, isn't it like life that we have this chance, this opportunities to uh, everyone, I think, all of us, myself included, looking for real love, looking for significance, looking for security, looking for the real deal. And isn't that like us all? And the voices that we have in culture are sometimes saying, oh, this will be great, or oh, this will satisfy us. 
Or, oh, this will truly make our hearts enchanted. And yet all of us, I think, are looking for the real thing, the real love. And uh, as we were looking at uh, Jesus, this God in the bod that kicked it and interacted in calm storms, one of my favorite stories about how Jesus interacted with a human or interacted with an image bearer is, is found here. And it starts in John 4. And it's just a great, great story. We're going to unpack this a little bit today. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing. And so he, depart, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. And so... If you think about this, they're down here, and Samaria is right here in the middle, and they're trying to get to Galilee, which is far north. Again, lake country, that's where Jesus liked. And so, actually, in that context, in that culture, those friends, the Jewish friends at that time, they would have nothing to do with going to that neck of the woods. That was not grand territory for them. They would not go there. In fact, because it was... You know, it was uh, such a cultural difference and such a significant difference. And they weren't friends. Um, They were, you know, somewhat enemy-ish. And so they would actually, instead of going through Samaria, kind of like, we can't go through this part of the country. We're going to go around. And so Jesus said, no, no. We have a mission. And we're going to go right through Samaria. And that was a big deal. And the disciples were like, wait, what? Really? Passed through Samaria. And he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is noon, and really hot. They just got done traveling, and he was wearied, from, again, fully human. He was wearied from the trip. And uh, the disciples scurried off somewhere. I didn't say that, but um, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to buy some food. And this is really interesting. So this woman comes up to Jesus, and Jesus says, he talks to her acknowledges her, like says something to her. And in that context, you'll see, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? So there's all kinds of things going on there. One, different culture, different context. Two, completely uh, different life. And so she pointed out, wait a minute, this is really weird. One, why you, your culture, would talk to me, my culture. Two, another huge thing going on there, why is it you, a Jewish man, talking to me, a woman? That didn't happen either. So there was, I'm going to say there's Racial stuff going on there in a sense, but there was also gender stuff going on there that was crossing over boundaries, crossing over cultural things, crossing over. And Jesus 
didn't seem to bother or notice because all Jesus saw was an image bearer. All Jesus saw was someone that he and his father helped create. And that created a whole different scenario. The story goes on. For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is is saying to you, give me a drink, you have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So they get into this metaphoric water discussion about water. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw water from, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? And so it's, it's interesting. Jesus is talking about different kind of water. And the woman is just in utilitarian mode. You don't even have a rope or a pail. You don't have anything. What are you talking about? Get water. You don't have anything to do this with. And Jesus is talking about water of life. Water that will sustain you. And then it kind of gets into, are you greater than our father Jacob, which is their ancestry, who gave us this well to drink from himself, as did his sons his livestock. And Jesus said to her, this is awesome, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. And I would welcome you again to the laboratory of this water, this life-giving water, and the sense that what kind of water are we talking about? If you drink from this well, you'll be thirsty again. If you drink from the water that I give you, you'll never be thirsty again. And in the process of all this, and in context of the voices in the world, Jesus, he said, the water that, that you get from this world or this well will make you thirsty. And if you drink of it, it will not satisfy you. It will not sustain you. It will not fulfill you. And there's many, many voices around the water in which we might drink. It might be success and achievement, and it will not satisfy. It might be sports or anything that we would give ourselves to, and it will not satisfy. It might be anything that we would attach ourselves to that would say, oh, certainly this will satisfy me. Relationships, significance, uh, again, success or resources, or anything that we might think would satisfy us. We drink this, we'll be thirsty again. That was the metaphor of Jesus. And the metaphor of this world, the voices the things that come along, the challenges and the difficulties not only, but we think, oh, if I just get this, or if I get this new, 
or if I can just succeed or achieve, or if I can, if I can, if I can just get this, I'll be satisfied. And Jesus tells the woman, from this water, it won't be satisfying. It will not be fulfilling. And then Jesus says, however, I have come to give you life and give it to the full. I have come to bring you abundant life. I have come that if you drink the water that I give, you'll never be thirsty again. You'll never, ever be wanting again because the water that I give will satisfy your soul. It will sustain you if you just drink the water that I give. And it'll be water that'll be abundant life, overflowing and abundant in all of its excess if you drink this water, the water that I give. You'll never be thirsty again. What a metaphor. And this is Jesus talking to this woman. I'm going to drink some because I need some. Here we go. Mmm. See? Oh, that was good. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> um, and so, wow, what a statement. Jesus says, if you drink this water, you'll be thirsty again. But if you drink the water I give, you'll never be thirsty again. And so the story goes on from there. The water I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I'll never be thirsty to come here and draw water. Because she's coming at noon. There's a reason she came at noon. and Because uh, she was looking for things. And we'll see what happens there. But she goes, oh, I want this water. Uh, give me this water. Who are you? Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband, for you have had, you, you said this true. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she goes into what I call a smoke screen. She goes, whoa, wait a minute, this, this person's into my stuff here. And uh, how are you seeing into my life and soul, even though she said it. And I think the smoke screens are funny. She goes into a smoke screen, pretty classic, what we all kind of do when we're like, oh, let's defer this. Let's start talking about, hmm. Let's see what she's, first she says. Uh, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. First smokescreen, let's get into a religious debate. That'll get the subject off me and onto that. So she starts talking about wells and countries and jurisdictions and things. And, uh, and so the woman, Jesus replies to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. Neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you'll worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so she gets into a couple debates. Sometimes it's religious. Let's get into a religious debate. 
Or other times it's politics. Let's get into a political debate. Again, smokescreen, smokescreen, in order to defer that she had some stuff going on, that she had some wells, that she was trying to satisfy a thirst that was going on in her. Just like what we witnessed here, I'm, I'm drinking from all kinds of wells. I'm drinking from all kinds of things that I think will satisfy me. And as we said in, those, in that metaphor, there's many, many things that we could get derailed or deferred on. We could step over and smoke screen. It's like, yeah, but deep down, really, really, really in here, there's things I really, really want, and I'm not sure that it'll satisfy. I'm not sure that it will fulfill me. And that is so great of what Jesus and this woman has got going on here. And she's trying to defer and she's trying to say, I know that the Messiah is coming. It's called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, this is awesome, I who speak to you am he. I am the one. And he's actually going back to God the Father Old Testament when God showed up with like Moses and people who, what's your name? I am. I am the God of the universe. I am the creator of the world. I am the creator of you. I made you, O oh image bearer. I am he. God and Jesus tied themselves together with the I am statement. I am he who speak with you. Now, if someone on the street at some place told you that, you'd be like, okay, crazy, or I'd be kind of freaked out, I think. <laughs> you know? Or if someone was reading my mail like Jesus did to, to this lady, whoa, I can see you're a prophet. I can see you're amazing. And that could freak us out. That could be kind of scary. And just then the disciples came back and they marveled and said, well, he was talking with this woman because that wasn't supposed to be done. And what do you seek? Why are you talking with her? And then she went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and were coming to him. This woman experience the well, experience the water, experience the life-giving water, the abundant water that Christ gave. Her life was being changed and transformed right then in the midst of this story. Her response is amazing. She goes, oh, I found him. I found the one. I found the I am. And she ran to town to tell everyone about what was going on with this guy. And I would argue this, that she became the first evangelist of the way. She was the first. The disciples had never done that. And she was transformed. And she became 
the first messenger, the first evangelist in the movement because she was transformed. She became a transformed leader who went therefore and told everybody. Guess who I met? Guess who I met that says, I have life-giving water? Guess who I met that changed and transformed me and accepted me for who I am and what I've got going on and loved me anyway? And she became the first messenger. And this is the invitation. That in the process of this awesome weekend together, that we would think about, investigate, figure out, how do I connect to this life-giving water? How is it that it's going to transform me? Because Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly, even in the midst of my own stuff, and loves us that way. We'll talk more about that, too. We have a chance to break this down in our groups, and we'll have some questions on the screen. I'm really grateful for how wonderful the leaders of our groups have worked with this and how wonderful it is that you guys are growing and sharing. And also, no matter where we are in the context of this journey of uh, discovery, of this journey of investigating who Jesus is, that doesn't matter that we just are in a journey along the way somewhere and that we get a chance to discuss and talk about that. I'm going to pray, and then I don't know if there's any other instructions, and so we'll just gather, gather, and take a little break. And so, thank you. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on our souls. Lord, we are so grateful that you have come to show us light, to show us real love, authentic love that we all so desperately desire. Lord, our hearts get thirsty, our lives get running around, and we try and work to satisfy so many things going on inside of us. And the voices of this context, the voices of culture, are always saying, do more, need more, if you had, oh, if. And Lord, we just thank you for showing us uh, those wells and how they might have holes in it and maybe not satisfying. Um, and yet, Lord, at the same time, we are grateful to you and your grace and your mercy that you came to show us what life is like and that you have come to give us life and life to the full. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you. Dismissed to groups.